You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Scottish Bible Society with Fiona Stewart, Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 6 of The Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart. As usual, I'm joined by Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. And for the first time in over two years, we are sitting in the same room. (gasps) Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. Oh, that was in concert. (laughs) At last, it's the peak of my career. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, we're here in the same room. We are maybe wiser than we were the last time we met. We're definitely older. And uh, I like to think we're probably a bit better at podcasting than we were back in February 2020. Think so. Um, now I feel a little bit like I'm hosting Gardner's Question Time today, <laughs> or, or maybe any questions. Um, you join us today from Aberfeldy Church of Scotland. <laughs> uh, hence the slight echo in the room. I, I wrote that by the way before we came here, so you know there may or may not be an echo for the listener, but I thought there might be an echo. And uh, I assume that this will be because we are live a super smooth recording as we don't have to put up our hands to speak (laughs) although I can move my hands about freely without knocking anything over. Uh, Neil thank you so much for inviting us to come and to hang out in your hood. Uh, While we're here we're also going to record five special short Holy Week episodes of the Outspoken Bible and in those we'll discuss some of the verses from John's Gospel that appear in the Wonder Walks resource Jen that you've put together and each episode will have a prayer a reading and a question that one of us is curious about. We are hoping that people will share those with friends and maybe take them when they're going out for a walk themselves uh, during the week leading up to Easter. Those will be released every day from Monday 10th April, so do keep an eye on your podcast platform and spread the word. Speaking of spreading the word, we've had some correspondence. Hey, the inbox. <laughs> the inbox, well, it's, it's, it's sorted itself out. It appears to be open for business. And this week we had an email from Jamie Lidston from Perth. Hello to you, Jamie. Uh, and I think Jamie actually is probably fairly typical of lots of listeners in that she feels a bit reticent, she says, about getting in touch. But she decided she was going to... Um, drop us quite a lengthy email actually she's off school because she's got covid so get well soon jamie um but she thought she would hit pause in the podcast and get in touch with us she as part of her email says she really enjoys the discussions as part of my feasting on scripture oh. so i love that phrase i'm currently she says in an intensive chronological read of the whole bible through lent for a big picture overview of course my I, intention i thought that sentence was going to end with something like i'm in an intensive care ward <laughs> no. I hope not. No, no, no. no. Uh, so, yes, yeah, she's doing this intensive read through the, the whole Bible, and she says her intention is to listen for God's voice as she reads, but also she loves that when she hits certain books, she will have our previous podcast discussions as a background to help inform her reading. Keep up the good work, she says. Thank you for nourishing us and helping us feast on Scripture. That's lovely. Thanks, Jamie. Oh, nice. And she's enjoyed getting to know us. I actually already know Jamie, so she's used to my voice, but uh, she's enjoyed getting to know you over this last little while. So it's a Jamie with a J... It's a female Jamie. It's a female Jamie. J-A-I-M-E. Oh, Jamie. Oh, and she also also commented on the favourite verse thing. She said she also finds it funny when people talk about favourite verses, but she said she would sign off with another verse that points to the inadequacy of writing to express (laughs) what we mean. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. And here we are. And here we are. Look at that. Thank you very much, Jamie. Hope you get better soon. Uh, Jen, you've had some correspondence with our friend Elizabeth, I think. Yes. So Elizabeth is struggling, um, maybe it's our our systems, to get in touch with us. So she's been emailing me directly. And um, it's been lovely getting to know Elizabeth just through email. But she had a lovely comment to make, I think, when we were talking maybe about John chapter 1, about Jesus in the world and... It's in his humanness that his glory is really revealed. And she talked about growing up um, and she was really taught to keep away from the world. 
and she finished off by saying, I understand why, why that was the way it was, but it would have been great to ha have people who would let me take the risk and encourage me to test my relationship with Jesus in the world, right out there in the earthy reality. Really good. It's actually really interesting. Sorry, I'm going off on a wee sidetrack here. I had my writers group last week, last night rather, and uh, somebody had written a blessing for those who want to give up on church, mm. and it was really great. Actually, it was beautifully written, and then it, it sparked off quite a conversation where a number of people said, "I really wish someone had given me the permission yes. to have this conversation when I was younger." And that's so, it's sad as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, be, exactly. Regrets. Exactly. Neil, you look like you've got some correspondence as well. Oh, you'd be just checking your. He was just ordering lunch. <laughs> I was checking. <laughs> so pretentious. I was checking the Greek word for paralysed. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've caused vocal paralysis for everyone. Uh, well, in that case, thank you very much for correspondence. Keep it coming. Outspoken at Scottish.bible, or of course, you can contact Jen directly. She's. That's she only for a special that. few. A special few. There Although my email isn't the public domain, so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> So on today's episode, we are going to be discussing John chapter 5, a chapter where water in a pool and debate over who Jesus is, is stirred up. Oh, Thank you very much. Very good. Thank Although you. it's only stirred up in if you have a verse of the Bible that has verse 4 in it. Yes, but for my, my hilarious introduction, it works. For <laughs> but that's an interesting point, isn't it? Yes, because it is. That's right. It doesn't get stirred up in the, in the course of the episode, actually. Although, course of the chapter. in the NIV, they take, it's taken out verse 4, where it says an angel stirred up the water. Uh, uh, but then when mm. Jesus talks to the man, the man does refer to the water being stirred up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ooh, well in a sort of passive way. Passive so we've, we've lost why it might have been stirred. Gosh, interesting. Yeah. But it's yeah. still the stirring. It's, it's still part of the story. Folklore is gone. Interesting. Well, we'll come back to that uh, shortly, maybe. Along with all the other conversation before we get to that, though, it is time for Glover's Off. Glover's Off this week is about a word I hadn't heard of before until about four weeks ago, which is compline. But I said it to you a few weeks ago, Jenna. You went, oh, I love compline. And it's not a breakfast cereal. It's not a breakfast cereal. <laughs> or, a, or a milky drink you take to build yes. yourself up after illness. <laughs> <laughs> so where had you come across it? Now, now, I might be wrong. I might be thinking of something different. But compline is when you end the day uh -huh. in a reflective way with God. Yeah, I, I thought that was quite a commonly known word. <laughs> I, missed, I missed that class. I actually really like it when Neil doesn't. Know something. Yes, it's encouraging. Yeah. It's, it's a lacuna, <laughs> as once David Ferguson, Professor David Ferguson, once said to uh, me. As I, I think you've before. told us previously on <laughs> <a> previous episode. <laughs> yeah, so lacuna is a gap in knowledge. And I said to him, what does lacuna mean? He said, it's a gap. And it was ironic. Anyway, um, yeah, so I don't know what complaint was, but I came across it because I've been reading a really, I've been reading a really wonderful book called Prayer in the Night by Tish Harrison Warren which is based on Compline. And in particular, it's a prayer from Compline. So Compline, as well as having a general sense of that, which you think about before you go to bed, is the name for one of the Anglican prayer services. So I think you've got Matins and you've got... Is there one called Nocht as well, which is at night? I can't remember. That's, that's pushing my knowledge. Nocht Dimitris. Oh, no, that's, that's, the, that's the, that's the, well, the Compline does contain Nunc Dimitris because Nunc Dimitris is the prayer of Simeon where you get dismissed. Um, but anyway, she, Tish Warren, see we're doing this live now so you can't mute those sounds, uh, particularly focuses on a prayer in Compline, which is keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ, give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, 
pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Amen. I love that prayer as part of the wider Compline prayer. So recently I have been doing it myself. You can print it off on the Church of England website. But to my great shock, it has actually worked quite well with our young people in youth yeah. group. That's where I've used it. So you yep. completely nod your head. So I was thinking, no way that's going to work. It's too formal. All our youth group like things which are just kind of play it by ear. But you th- think that stands well, to I mean, reason? I mean, I don't, I don't use a book. I mean, it's quite a simplified thing. We, we would just encourage each other when we go to bed at night to think back over the day. What were the things that God would have been pleased with that we'd been involved in? What would God might have wished we'd done differently? And it's just any kind of phrases or questions like that that help you to think about your day through God's eyes yeah. before so, you go. So can I ask a question, though, about, about how that differs from an examine? I think it's the timing. So I'm possibly, yes, what you're talking about sounds like an... But it, but it, maybe if it's done in the evening, it becomes a compline. Who knows? Um, but the way we do it is we have a... We, I just printed out the PDF from the Church of England website, adjusted it, and then with our young people say, could you do the leader here or could you read this bit of the psalm? And to my great shock, they all quite like it. And I, I think it's because they can, they're happy to read what's in front of them and it's quite inclusive and engaging rather than having to, at least for that point in time, having to think for ourselves. It's, it's not that they're against it, but at that point they quite like having a set of words to say. Yeah. Are you doing that online or in person? No, in person. In person. Yeah. During lockdown, um, Crystal Cryer from 24-7 ran an online compline at points, it was beautiful. Uh, yeah, I, I went a few times, and yeah, I I, th- I think you know it was one of those lockdown things that it, it reached the end of its course, but mm-hmm. kind of makes me think I would like to do that mm. in community with people. It's a really nice way to end the day. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I've during Lent I've been reading a book which I'm not going to be able to give you the title of because I didn't bring it with me. But it's probably on my Kindle, but it's in my bag. Um, if you tell us it later, we can I can it add it in. Yes, yeah. it's um, Celtic Lent studies. We'll get the name of the author. I did the Advent, the similar Advent one. Um, and he's in, one of the things each day is to encourage us to think about how we can in, add uh, monastic community practices into our lives that we live now, like without being a, in a monastic community. And so I, you had to decide what you would do. So I decided I would have set times during the day where I would stop and say the Lord's Prayer. Now, I'm finding it quite challenging because if you're in the middle of a podcast and I start saying the Lord's Prayer, it might be a bit odd. And also it's helpful, I think. So, so I do a thing in the mornings at seven in the morning with, with a couple of folk online. And we use the, well, we're currently using the Shane Claiborne common prayer mm. thing. Oh, I love that. But at that time in the morning, yeah. it's actually really helpful to have somebody else's words to yeah, use. Because, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you're half awake, you're yeah. having your coffee and... Um, but there's, there's something about the rhythm and the routine of that that's, yeah, yeah, really helpful. I was talking to someone this week who works in the refugee, uh, I hate to call it the refugee sector, it makes it sound very, mm. works with people who are refugees in Scotland. And I was asking her about Ukraine and she said, please send money, not stuff. Uh, absolutely don't send medical supplies, was what she said. And uh, because all that stuff goes into landfill and creates more problems, was her view. But also she said, the key to this is trust the well-worn paths. Trust the, the, the ways that people have thought of doing it in the past. And she was quoting a book which apparently is a legendary status in the kind of crisis response sector, which is called Thinking in an Emergency by Elaine Carey. And in it, she simply says, don't invent new stuff. Do the, yeah. 
follow the well-worn paths, you know, give to debt, give to people who already work through yeah. these things. Don't go jumping in a lorry yourself and, and heading off to the Ukraine. Because what she says that is about is trying to manage your own pain at your own helplessness. Yeah. Um, so when you said, Jen, and this brings us to Compline again, all these are ways of walking well-worn paths. And, and there are certain times when you need that. Thank you very much. That there was, we go. That felt like a Glover's, a very inclusive Glover's off because we all chipped in. <laughs> That's great. I didn't complain when anybody <laughs> we, chipped yeah, in. Yeah, I know, but we sort of did the equivalent of, you know, putting our stuff in a van and <laughs> yeah, yeah. coming along for the ride. <laughs> Made us feel good about the things we've done. <laughs> No, that's brilliant. I prefer it that way. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? But there is a difference because so we're physically together. Yes. Because yeah. to be perfectly honest, sometimes when Neil does his gloves off, do you go I put think, the kettle on? Oh, well, I, no, well, I don't put, go and put the kettle on, <laughs> but I might think, I'll read this bit again of the yes. chapter, I'll do a bit more preparation, yeah, yeah. or I'll think through what I'm going to say. Or sometimes I might send a message to someone because there's something else happening later in the day that yeah, I really yeah. need to sort out. But because you're sitting right beside yeah, me, yeah. I'm not really going to do that because it would seem quite rude. So that... It makes it more inclusive just by being together. Well, thank you very much. We do enjoy Glover's Off, and it's nice to be in the in the Aberfeldy environs. Because a lot of you know a lot of your a lot of your Glover's Off. Yeah, stimulus. I'd, stimulus yeah, I'd like us to walk to the river later on. That'd yes, be quite nice. I'd like to go to the bakery as well. He's talked about that one time. Oh yeah, I feel like you could do a, a sort of tour of, of <laughs> the Glover's Off things. <laughs> <laughs> places that we imagine in our heads. So let's move on to our main section. So today we're talking about John chapter 5 and if you're following along in the Light and Life Gospel you can get that on page 16 and page 17 uh, is where the chapter's found and you can, don't forget, get your Light and Life Gospels by going to scottish.bible forward slash Easter and those are available to order there. So John chapter 5, can I take us back to historicity? Mm-hmm. Something we talked about last time, the, the idea of where these events fall, are we reading a, a chronological account? Jen, you wanted to talk about historicity, and it's another story involving our mutual <laughs> friend, Nigel Pollock, who seems yes. to be making regular appearances on this podcast. I'm trying to think how long ago this was, when I was at a summer scripture union holiday, where Nigel, which Nigel was leading, and I was on the team. I think it might be 25 years ago, if, if not more than that. And every morning at the team Bible study, Nigel read... John chapter 5. Not the whole thing, just the, the story of the man at the pool. Not the, the, the sort of Jesus, Jesus comments later on. And I, every day, the first day he read it and, and he talked about it, I thought that's fine, we're doing that, we'll move on to John chapter 6. But then every morning he read the same passage. And so these words, which are in the opening verses, now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. I heard that every morning for five days, and there's something about being, about being at that kind of Christian event that you're very embedded into the community, aren't you? So those words resonated mm. again and again. I've got to say, sorry, Nigel, I don't remember anything else you said <laughs> about John chapter 5, but I remember this kind of sense of this is a real place at a real time. And I think there's been ar- ar- archaeological discoveries mm-hmm. of this particular mm-hmm. pool and, and that's, that's all I've got to say about uh-huh. it, really. But it, uh-huh. it was a sense of the, the realness of this story, uh-huh. which is important, I think, when we come to the man, isn't it? Because the complexity of his, uh, what his life has been, being, being disabled for all these years, it seems important that we know he was someone in a real place in a real time. And, yeah. Y- yeah, so, so I mean, I'm quite interested in, in, in the sense of Jesus arrives and he goes to this pool and he, he knows the nature of the pool and, and who's around it and, and he will be very familiar, won't he, with that. It, does he intentionally, do we think, seek out that man because he, he knows he's going to encounter him? Mm. Or, or is, it, is it, 
you know, apparently random. Nothing's really apparently random, is it, with Jesus? But <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's important to say that, Fiona, because we discovered that in the last two chapters, wasn't it? Particularly and particularly the woman that well, there's a sense that Jesus made that journey to have that conversation with that particular person. And I don't think Jesus would be Jesus if he just, uh-huh. oh, well, who's the first person that I see? Or uh-huh. yeah, and Jesus seems. We're often told that Jesus knows things, but we're not told how. Mm-hmm. And the the classic examples are, for example, when Jesus sets up uh, Palm Sunday, you know, you're going to find a cult in the village. And um, does Jesus know that miraculously or has he already done some reconnaissance work? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're told here that uh, Jesus saw him lying there and uh, he knew that he'd been there for that length of time, for these 38 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I think we're told, John's not that interested in how Jesus knows. He's just interested in the fact that Jesus does, does know. Does know, yeah. yeah. And we don't need to assume that the man had been at the pool all that time. You know, Jesus spent a lot of time in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. so he, he might have seen this man elsewhere. Mm-hmm. We don't know what his disability is. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he, he moved around the, t- the town um, begging. Well, well, you know. well I, I, I mean, I was thinking about that because he finds him in the temple later on. Yes. And it doesn't say, you know, that the man went to the temple specifically because of the healing. It just says that Jesus found him in the temple. Or he could have gone to the temple because he'd been healed, because uh-huh. that would have yes. been the process to follow, wouldn't it? You'd have gone to the temple if you'd been cured, or was that just leprosy? I'm just trying to think. It's definitely the case with skin diseases. I'm not sure if it's the case with anything else. Yeah. It's interesting though, isn't it? What do we make of the man? Do you think he's a bit self-pitying? Lying about having a victim mentality? <laughs> really, w- I'm setting it up so you can say no. <laughs> I wouldn't give him that hard a time. <laughs> but it is interesting, isn't it? He's locked in a story about uh-huh. what's gone wrong. I think Jesus actually says to him, do you want to be cured? And that's when he tells the story. He doesn't actually answer uh-huh. the question. Go- going right, well, we'll maybe come to the 38 years. I, th- I think if I'd watched people go in front of me for 38 years, it's difficult to leave that story behind. Yeah. I, I feel for him. And yet at the end, I don't like him very much. We'll get to that later. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so does it say something about his need to be heard? People need to have their story heard, don't they? Mm-hmm. They need to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Jesus doesn't just go up and fix them. Uh-huh. Going back to what we talked about in Ukraine, you don't just think, so my friend who worked in the refugee sector again says, don't go out to the Ukraine with lots of warm coats because people in the Ukraine are not asking for warm coats. Yes. They've got them. The people who need warm coats are the Syrian refugees yes. in Cali because they didn't realise the extent to which they need them or weren't able to keep a hold of them. But she says that's a good illustration of asking people what it is that they, that they, need. they want. You, you've got to know the person. I have a friend whose daughter is four and she has multiple disabilities because of a very rare a chromosomal abnormality and I spent a weekend with them fairly recently now until I spent those four days with them I didn't know all the needs of Lois I don't think that would it matters saying her name um, s- simple things that are not simple at all so she's four but she still needs nappy changing facilities and there is very very few appropriate toilet facility mm. because most nappy changing facilities are in toilets and they're high up and if, as you get older where do you go lie on the floor that's what they're having to do now somebody I'm sure I've heard these things before but once I'd spent those days with them I realized the complexity of yeah. all they had to deal with and how difficult it is to manage life in the way that we've created it and so for this man who we don't know his story we don't know why he is 
the way he is and all, but it, it must have been awful. Mm -hmm. But that's the bottom line, isn't mm -hmm. it? It was so hard for him to live. If it's hard to live now in our contemporary mm -hmm. culture, how difficult was it for him then? Mm -hmm. What's interesting, sorry, is that there's no judgment on the man having this repeated story, you know, that the, the way that you, and I, I know why you were doing it with your question, but but it, it's interesting, that's not judged, it's just observed. Yes. That in answer to the question, do you want to be cured, he, ans he answers this way. Now, there is a link, I think, with the 38 years, and, and actually a link with what we're doing today, that the 38 years, some people dispute this, but I think the number 38 is so specific, and mm -hmm. John is so you know, specific with numbers at times that I think most of the time when John leaves a number, he's going follow the clues yeah. <laughs> and the, the number 38 refers to a period in Deuteronomy um, when uh, the Israelites were in the desert and they didn't want to move into the promised land they, mm -hmm. they were on the cusp of the 40 mm -hmm. and it, it speaks to a moment where you get used to desert you, you get used to nothing and therefore you, right. you don't want to move uh -huh. because we would rather have a familiar setup which is limited than an unfamiliar setup which is more life-filled. Mm -hmm. In other words, given the choice of something which limits us but we know versus something which enables us but we don't know, we'll choose the first. Yeah. And that's what's happening, I think, with this man here. There's almost a sense in which the, the new, even though it's better, is really frightening. Yeah. It's a bit like um, we're broadcasting this the day after Nazanin um, Ratcliffe, what's her? Sakari Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe, has been released. And two other. And two others, one yes. One well. a guy, well, I think. One, one man and then there's someone right. who's still in, mm -hmm. still in Iran. Yes. It's quite complex. But I, am, I have a double emotion. I'm absolutely thrilled for this family because uh -huh. they have been desperate for mum to come home. But I am also going, oh my goodness, what are the next few yes. weeks going to be like? Yes. Um, because you're in something which is better, but it's, un, it's really unfamiliar. Yes. And, and what's interesting is that, well, let's plot spoiler, Jesus pulls the man into the possibility of this, this world and then to some extent he regresses back because he then goes and tells the Jewish authorities, knowing probably that he's getting Jesus into trouble, this is the man, mm -hmm. this is the man who healed me. And I think he later on will stand in contrast to the blind man in John chapter 9, mm -hmm. who does almost seem to manage to break out of, of the, this kind of system that's held mm -hmm. him in. Is there something about the tone in which Jesus says that? You know, uh -huh. do you want to get well? I think I've often maybe it's my own head or other people who have read it to me I've heard preached like do you want to go well as if like <laughs> Jesus is really disdaining uh -huh. and sort of dismissive of him when if we see Jesus in a different way this is him coming alongside this man who's looking at this pool for his hope and his healing and Jesus turns his eyes to him and he says do you want to get well you know it's mm. like an offer mm. it's an invitation mm. it's me I have the life and if we've talked about that haven't we all through John that it's life, 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 Jesus yeah. offering this life all the time mm -hmm. and how we see this question that Jesus asks is very important in our understanding of what Jesus' words mean and he, and he does want to hear the man's story. Yeah. We only and hear a little bit of it. Yeah, and we, we know, don't we, that when Jesus asked a, asks a question, it's not because he needs to know the answer often, no, is it? Right. It's so that the person themselves can, can, speak, can it. speak it out. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah. I, I was struck by that just talking to a friend um, today, actually, uh, whose, whose mother has a long-term health condition. And we were talking about something else. She's, she's got a shin splint injury. Um, and I said, oh, we, we could pray about that. And, and, and she said, oh, I find it really hard to pray for healing because, mm-hmm. you know, my mum's had ME for um, so many years. And, and it, 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 knowing I was coming to talk about this, we were coming to talk about this this morning, it really made me reflect on the 38 years and, and that idea of, of, of the hope. Do you know, how many times have you looked with hope and faith and, it's, and you've been disappointed? And, and what, also, that, yeah. what that does to how you view, mm-hmm. yeah, how, how you view the, the possibilities. Yeah. I've, also, I've also been in contact with someone who is in a very similar situation. She blogs a, ro- a lot uh, and is involved in additional support needs for children, particularly within children's ministry. Kay Morgan Carr, I've, sh- I've mentioned Kay before. Um, and I don't want to misquote her, but I, th- I think she, and she, she's a long-term disability and she would say the problem is often in churches people just kind of pounce upon you and mm-hmm. want, to he- want to pray for healing and want you to be healed without having that conversation, mm-hmm. without hearing her story. And I think part of her story would be that God has healed her. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not in a physical way, but in a way that she is the person she's more the person she believes god wants her to be um but it's that kind of people taking these passages and then forcing it on people which was what jesus is not doing here he, do, he, he didn't rush in and heal him yeah he had the conversation yeah yeah can i pick up on a, another thing that, that fits with this about healing the the reason I was working, looking up the word for paralysed, and I'm still not totally sure it's in the literal meaning, but one of the commentaries is suggesting that it speaks of muscles which have become atrophied. Mm. And the idea, I mean, we're experiencing it this morning, we're having to relearn what our talk to each other and each other's yeah. presence muscles yeah. are. Yeah. And th- this guy is going to have to learn to use some new muscles. Yeah. And that's that's scary and, and frightening. and Jesus when he heals us doesn't make life easier mm-hmm. well does he no yeah. differently isn't it yeah different yeah 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 so 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 much there isn't there to yeah to, to contemplate um great as as ever if, if people you know have particular testimony or or questions around some of that stuff then then please do get in touch i think i think the that that's really important. There's there's people out there who get far more yeah. experience than we have yeah. um, on how how we deal with all of this in this mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once again, it's it's worth stating, isn't it, that there would be people left behind at that pool that day. Mm. You know, I, I think we sometimes jump a bit like you're saying, Jen, about about yeah. Kay Morgan Kerr, Kerr saying, mm. um, we we jump to the focus on the the one who is healed and actually. Yeah, there might be another guy that if you went up to him the next day. I said, do you want to be cured? He said, yeah, everybody always got in front of me. And there yeah. was another guy that happened to, but he got healed yesterday. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, want, yeah. you wonder what the story is of all them who were sitting there mm-hmm. and they saw, th- did they turn their attention from the pool to Jesus? Yeah. yeah. Or could they not? Because they physically couldn't get after him. And, because, because, and isn't that some of, the, some of the debate about the taking out the angel, stirring the water thing? It's is just removing that... Some of the folklore aspect of all of that. Although I suppose it was a pool that, I mean, uh, Tom Wright, is that right? Mm-hmm. I always think John Wright, that's not somebody else. Uh, Tom Wright talks about um, that this, this pool was, it had a sort of pagan philosophy uh-huh. behind it. And so yeah. the, it was a real mix of people who would be there. It wasn't a Jewish thing, the yeah. pool. Interesting. There we go. Okay, so, so then once again, we move from an incident into quite lengthy theological 
exposition by Jesus. Yeah, and uh, I was talking to you earlier, I always call these bits that he said always. Um, always called it often. I think what you said think, is I often say to people. Yeah, sometimes think of this bit. The, the end of, so John's chapters often have a bit, a thing that happens and then lots of discussion of the bit. So uh, you get that in John 3 with the conversation of Nicodemus and then lots of discussion about rising and, and, and descending and ascending. And it happens in John 6 as well. So, yeah, sometimes think of this as the Johannine washing machine where you just get stirred up and turned around. And it's really hard to follow the logic of, of these bits at times. It, 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 it kind of reaches its peak, I think, in what a spin cycle, yeah, in John's chapter 14 to 16, where you have what are called the upper room discourses, where Jesus seems to be going in all sorts of different places at once. It's really, really hard to follow. But then I think uh, we we keep saying this every every time, but but that whole thing of framing the thing by the by the prologue, yeah, I'm finding that really helpful. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm finding it really helpful that when we come to talk about things like judgment and life and resurrection, I'm thinking, oh yeah, that that we we know that's coming because of the prologue, and also it, it's making me then think beyond into the Lazarus story that we'll encounter later on, actually into Revelation as well. You know, when we talk about Jesus and judgment, you can't help but think of of how John then speaks about that there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, there's this whole section about intimacy of the Father and the Son. And in a moment, that's going to be about authority. But but what seems to be happening here as well is that there's talk of the resurrection life. Now, th- there seems to be two different things going on. In verse 25, it says, The hour is coming and is now here. So it's future and present. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Um In verse 24, um, very truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, present tense, and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life, Mm -hmm. past tense. So you've got um, passing from death to life in the past, you've got it in the present, and you've got it in the future. All of them seem to be mixing in. And I think what, what John is trying to to do is to put before us the fact that I think, I guess the experience of the resurrection happens for us in all those three tenses as well. It is also it's a past event for us. Something has happened in the past which has moved us. It is a present event for us in which the resurrection life is breaking through. And it is a future event. So there is both a, an element of now, but there's also an element of not yet. There is a hope for something yet to come. And I, I, I see all of those mixing together and potentially John in the in the way that the gospel is recording is coming to new insight some people think that the bit about the future is the older text and then John is in the presence of Jesus recognizing that much of the new life is already breaking into mm. the now as well and and because Jen, Jen before we started you, you were talking about that in terms of the of the the phrase get up that's used in the healing mm. being related yeah. to resurrection so, so again there's that foreshadowing of something and the intentional placing, isn't there? And, and, yeah, why, and why Jesus has this conversation at this point or makes these statements at this point. Um, because it's the same with the woman at the well, isn't it? The, the, what happened with her causes Jesus to say certain things at a certain time or is, or is that the way John is writing it? Mm-hmm. And he, what, he's connecting mm-hmm. these things Jesus said to the things that happened. Yeah, and, and I think all of it is speaking to the fact that Jesus is coming into a religious system which has many, many riches but is not able to heal the man. 
and and he comes and allows him to be healed. And I think John is saying, into our previous understanding of God and God being limited to, I, I guess, the God of law, suddenly Jesus comes in his word to be grace and truth and life. And we make a massive mistake if we say, oh, that's about Judaism and Christianity has come along afterwards. What I think this is about is all forms of religious experience can drop back in to this God who is the God of karma, the God of do the right thing, God of... um, I mean, there's a whole thing about the parable of the talents that we could come to at some point, but the God that if you invest 10, you get 10 back. And then Jesus breaks in and rips that apart with a new, scary, Sabbath-defying, recreating religion of power and newness. And that completely throws you. And you're having to think, who is the authority here? Is it the voice that, of the system that I grew up in? Or is it this yeah. new Jesus that I'm meeting? I think, I think that was the biggest challenge for me reading this. Because I think my initial reaction would be harsh on the religious leaders that come and, you know, I was thinking, oh, they're so blind. You know, they, they can't see a healing's taking place. All they're bothered about is breaking the Sabbath rules. But very quickly, I was thinking about myself. Mm-hmm. There are some things that I believe and hold true to that could really become a barrier to me seeing God at work and seeing all that you've just described, you know, the newness, the life, the forgiveness, the restoration. Um, you know, it could be things I'm reading in a certain way of the Bible. It could be things that I just hold dear. You know, that there's certain ways people do things in church sometimes that just, I'm, I'm so angry that I can't see, oh, actually God could be doing something through something that I don't like. How, how ridiculous would that be? You know, and it's a constant reminder to me that I mustn't ever... I can so easily, in my religiosity, whatever that looks like, become that person that doesn't see the, the miracle. And, and do we, in that to that extent, then become like the thirty-eight years yeah. of waiting by the pool yeah. because yeah. because we have fallen into a certain way of doing things and and the anticipation or expectation or hope or idea of of the of change in life yeah. beyond that. Yeah. But it's, it's more than that, though. I think you also get pulled into an area of life which you were told was wrong before, yeah. and this yeah. is what's happening here that people were told that sabbath was wrong mm-hmm. people were told that no human being should ever equate themselves with mm-hmm. god you know there are good religious texts that these people could point to and yet yeah. they were wrong i was with a guy who just lives across the road from here on sunday night and we were talking about experiences of god and i think he in some ways would like to deconvert me and i said to him but you believe in god as well and he said yeah but i believe in a god who is pure love who's pulling us into love and I thought that's what I believe in um and and he's he he was um he grew up in a religious culture where where he was condemned for many things and and he had a bad experience of church and I said to him at one point and this is not me who originally said this I wish you would be able to let go of the God you no longer believe in and have faith in the God who believes in you and there is something there about that sort of God requires faith. In some ways, anyone can believe in the God of karma. That's quite easy to believe in. But the, the God, it takes faith to believe in a God of grace. Yeah, yeah. And a God who might do something that, you, as you said, maybe you think is wrong. I think that's one of the hardest yeah. things. Yeah. I th- I'm thinking of um, uh, Stephen and on the roof and the dream mm-hmm. and the blanket. Mm. You know, Peter. I know we, Peter. Peter, that's yeah. right. <laughs> it's like your Zechari- Zechariah's Zechariah. <laughs> Blindness. Blind spot. Yes, yeah. You know, the, the opening we, up we, of something we new. We underestimate yeah, uh-huh. how difficult that must have been yeah. for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
anything else that people want to talk about? I, I'm kind of interested in this idea of the greater works. Well, works is a massive thing here because yeah. it's Sabbath. Even so you're not allowed works. to you're not yeah. allowed to work on Sabbath, but mm-hmm. works and it's greater works, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. So he's pointed to resurrection, but later on it's going to be that bit where Jesus said. One of the most amazing verses in the whole Bible. You're going to do greater works than me. I find that an extraordinary. But I, I, I have to think about that verse again and again. Yeah, I think about yeah. that, like your Johann, Johannine wash, washing, washing, washing machine. machine. I think about that verse quite a lot. Could be a new brand. Yes, <laughs> Johannine. <laughs> Except a it's a washing. Love. It's a washing machine where you yourself have to get into it. <laughs> Which we don't have. No, it's very dangerous. <laughs> um, no, I do think about that verse a lot. That that you know, what does it mean to do greater? greater things you'll see greater works yeah john the dangerous washing machine you have to get into (laughs) and also that trap he he seems to be talking here though doesn't he about he's linking this with resurrection this greater things he's also digging himself a bigger and bigger hole oh yeah isn't i mean you know he he already broken the sabbath rules and Mm -hmm. then he immediately he just goes my father my father my father Mm -hmm. just like and he he knows that's the other rule that's gonna have him arrested but it's what he has to say it very good. Well, I hear the quilting group in the kitchen <laughs> next door. Yeah, this is the sounds of a real live church, <laughs> a working which, church. <laughs> which makes me think we bring this section to a close. Uh, we're a takeaway? Other than what the quilting group might be able to offer us at lunchtime. Just, just what I'm saying about um, never being blinded, by, so blinded by what I hold to be true. Yeah that I don't see what God's doing. Now, yeah. that, that is a lifelong narrow path, isn't it? Because yeah. <laughs> you could easily fall down either side. Yeah. Like, forget the truth and just go with what he thinks the next new thing. Or you could be so swept up in truth that you don't see God's new thing. Yeah. So it's... Yeah, that's great. Following in the old ways, maybe, Neil, takes yeah. us right back to the start. Yeah. I am... I'm feeling quite emotional because I've had... This is the third major conversation I've had this morning. In the first one, I explored resurrection with somebody and we talked about the resurrection life breaking through. And this person was saying that they're a priest. I want to give everybody in my congregation a badge saying me too on Easter Sunday because I'm being resurrected too. And we talked about how scary that is. I then had a conversation with someone which was like a whack in the gut in which they kind of said, don't kid yourself. Um... All this stuff about newness and stuff, it's great for you to hear, but it, we both know that doesn't work. Uh, and that really, really, that was kind of a devastating conversation. And now I've had this, where we're all talking about newness and life and healing, and I'm going, um, a, oh, for goodness sake, God, why do you keep doing this? So that's my takeaway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I was, yes, very good. Uh, mine, mine was around healing stuff, I think. I want to go away and maybe read some some of those things that we talked about there. I think having probably for the last few years been in, in a kind of church environment where healing would be spoken of quite a lot and there would be quite an emphasis on praying for healing. I think I, I recognise it myself in the last two or three years I've, I've been drifting a bit from that, not to a point of lacking faith, but perhaps having less certainty around some of the, the healing stuff. So, you know, that conversation has stimulated some thought for me around that. So that's where I will think and pray Possibly as I'm swimming in a pool that doesn't get stirred up. Jen, do you have a gem for us? The gem today is involvement. Involving young people um, in the whole life of our church's ministries. And that's not an easy thing. It takes far more time. Um, If I want to do something, I do it myself. It's very quick. But if I want to involve young people 
I need to take more time to do it. And I don't mean tokenistic involvement. A young person once said to me when he was about 16, if you want to involve me, Jen, don't just stick a badge on me and give me a plate to carry around to collect the offering. Mm. Actually involve me in decision-making, planning, everything. Um, and it's slightly tied into John chapter 5 because Jesus asked that question. And I think it's vital for youth ministry, children's ministry. Um, we're having our state annual meeting of our church family and uh, we're going to make sure the children are involved in a way that they that is meaningful to them it's not just tokenistic so it's taking the time to do that and when you're really tired and you can't be bothered keep on doing it mm. that's what i encourage folk to do brilliant great well thank you very much to you both it's, thank you it's going to be strange to go back to screens really isn't yeah. it after all of this there were moments there when i thought oh, i really quite enjoy this ah look at that <laughs> I thought it was going to be really, really awkward, but it actually felt really good. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I've had a terrible time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd be interested to know what, what our beloved listeners think. Oh, um, I know. I know. I'd be interested to know what, how it sounds, actually. Yeah, thank you very much, everybody, for, for joining us. Next time, we're going to be talking about John chapter 6. So that's bread, storms, water walking, grumbling, desertion, and a declaration. Well done. Thank you. You're well scripted today. Yeah, thank you very much. Actually, I'm always well scripted. You just don't see it at the other end. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. Uh, so join us then. Don't forget that you can also catch the Outspoken Easter episodes, and those will be dropping all through Holy Week. And we'll look forward to speaking to you then. And in the meantime, don't forget to like, rate, share, review so that other people can get involved in the outspoken conversation.